old rockers on the road still. Yes, we're still there. This still is in our fourth podcast. I believe. Yes, it is. Yeah. Wow, it's gone very quick. That has gone quick, hasn't it? And it's been it's been great, hasn't it? Yeah, every every it's, one of them has been a cracker. Yeah, I've yeah. really enjoyed it. It's been a great so far. But we have something very special coming oh, now. Wow. Well, what can I say? Check the guy out online. Wow. We were blown away. Absolutely. The, the technique, uh, songwriting, vocal, um, t- t- playing two guitars. What's all that about? Wow. Incredible. Just amazing. Yeah. So, should we get him on? I think we should. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ronnie Brannigan. So, Rodney. It's great to have you on, on yeah. the podcast. Thanks so for thanks me. so much for coming. Um, we normally start with talking about people's interests and, and how they got to start playing their instrument and uh, their infl- early influences and all that kind of stuff. Would you like to run us through some of that? Kind yeah, of? certainly. So I, I grew up in Amarillo, Texas, and um, I, I was in a grew up in a family of musicians. Uh, my dad was a musician. He was a song singer songwriter, but he was also a drummer in a band when I was growing up. So. Um, that was one of the big influential things for me as a child was wa- watching my dad do this thing. And mostly because you get to see, I, if when you guys get off stage, you're in this euphoric state. You're, yeah, you're, your yeah, system yeah. is loaded with dopamine. You're smiling. You're happy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, watching watching that as a child thinking, man, I really want that. I want that thing that he's doing right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so when I got older, like obviously the, he instilled this 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 desire to play a musical instrument and, and steered me towards the guitar, but we always had drum kit and piano, and so I can play lots of instruments. Fantastic. It's just growing up in a musical household, though. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when, when I got to there was a certain age that I got when I was, I just basically decided that's what I want to do as a living. I, would, I, would wanna, I want my job to be the kind of thing where people come to have a good time. They're not coming to complain to you about something. They're not coming to ask you to do something you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming to pay money to watch you do a thing that you love to do, and they get to disappear for a little bit while they're they're mm, observing it. You which know? you do very well. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 always the goal, though, really, isn't it? I yeah, mean, of course. There's a there's a lot of times when you're studying music that you you kind of do it because you're kind of showing off. Like, yeah, I mean, we're all show offs. We're all show offs. We're all show offs. We're all show offs. There's 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 a yeah there's a there's definitely a certain amount of narcissism that goes with wanting to be a musician. I think. <laughs> A healthy narcissism, obviously. Yeah, not, it's uh, got to be healthy. Yeah, yeah. Not the, um, but yeah, I just I, that was the thing I wanted. So that was the first inspiration that, you know, kind of pushed me towards wanting to be a musician. And then you just kind of see players along the way that inspire in different ways. So yeah, I went through spells where I was really into La Paco de Lucia. I really loved the flamenco style of guitar. Mm. And then so I, you know, spent all my time trying to learn as much of that as I possibly could. And then I went through a spell where I was learning. Um, Stuff like Michael Hedges and the the finger style guitar players that were coming out in the eighties and nineties yeah. that were kind of taking the guitar in weird and different ways, and you just kind of bring all those things in, mix yeah. them up into a thing, and then present it as some your own thing. Yeah, yeah. And hope yeah, hope, yeah. hope you're not stepping on copyrights in the meantime. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got an unusual. Th- you, like, I mean, you're kind of known as the two guitar man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a, when I, I've checked, I, you know, and that's just incredible. I, I, how did that come around? That I was, you, you, you it was an accident. Okay. It was a, so I it was when I, I was about eighteen. I started a uh, teaching school. Not, okay. Not a school, but I had a little studio that I, yeah, that I had where I was teaching lessons. And um, I guess it was, it was a couple of years after being in that process for a while. I had a student that came to me. He was uh, older and. Just, I was still not 21, so he was bringing beer to the lessons. He was my last lesson of the day. Yeah, well, this is this yeah this uh, is this is Texas. There's, you can't drink until you're 21. Yeah, you, yeah, can, you can buy a gun when you're 18, but you can't drink until you're 21. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So well, uh, so mm. we were having a drink, and I was explaining in my ambidexterity to him because I'm not really right-handed or left-handed. I prefer to do things some things left-handed. I prefer to do oh, some things okay. right-handed. And so I was explaining that to him, and I was drawing with both hands because that's something Incredible. that I can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he just, out of the blue, asked me if I could play both the guitars at the same time. And we happened to be working on a, I remember, I remember it was a, a Soundgarden song. So both of our guitars happened to be tuned to a straight C chord. So I just took his guitar, put it in my lap, started strumming. It's like, 
yeah, the C chord took care of having that extra hand on that other guitar. You can do all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just spent the next, yeah, next 24 hours practicing <laughs> <laughs> without, without, yeah, food or water or air, I think. Just really, really focused. <laughs> like, this is going to be my thing. I mean, your, your style, I mean, you, it's kind of like the, based in the folk scene, but the way you play is really like in a full-on rock and roll vibe. Mm, yeah. I, and I, I love that. Yeah. that's. Yeah. You, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to put that energy across. I'm glad, yeah. that, I'm glad that you noticed that, actually. No, they, they, amazing. Yeah, thank you. The, the, thank the, you. Uh, I mean, your, your style and that, as I say, it's, uh, folk, but the way you play that, yeah, the attack and the energy. It's, it's virtuoso. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. No. <laughs> That's That's incredible, man. That's just, oh, I, I absolutely love it. I think. I it's... mean, your early influences as, as um, what kind of players, other players were you listening to? I mean, well, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, yeah, of course. Was, Stevie uh, Ray Vaughan was a big yeah. influence. Yeah, yeah. Big, huge. But he's a big influence on everybody in Texas at yeah, the time. Like, yeah, you'd yeah, yeah. be hard pressed to find somebody that didn't grow up in the yeah, 90s that didn't absolutely. just love that guy. Yeah. But that was, I guess, the. Stevie Ray Vaughan was the most pivotal in that he kind of, the first time I saw one of his concerts on tape, um, I think it was the Live at the Macombo, and you just know he's completely out of it on drugs, but he's he's so in the moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's so in the moment that everybody in the room is in that moment with him. Like he's 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 got this energy that he's giving off, and yeah. the whole room's going on this trip with him. Yeah. I thought, man, I want to do that. What yeah. <clears throat> what do you need to do to do that? Yeah. So that's why, you, that's why I start learning all the things that you would like um, – Attention grabbers. Yep. So yeah. So I had, had the two guitar thing. What's the next thing that I could yeah. use to grab somebody's I attention? Yeah. yeah. You know, and so it kind of develops out of that. You're just trying to keep that same momentum going with the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Big yeah, influence, yeah. Stevie Ray, wasn't he? Well, yeah, and, um, you, I hear that all the time. People like John Mayer talk about it. Oh, yeah. Talk about Stevie Ray. He's the, he's the, he's the dude, man. He's the guy, you know. I, I get that. He's fantastic. Yeah. What, what about um, Billy Gibbons? I'm a big fan of Billy Gibbons as well. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing going on in Texas. Yeah. But that kind of, what actually kind of inspired me to, because my music career could have gone two directions when I was about 18 or 19, because at the time I was I was also playing in bands, playing lead guitar for other bands, okay. and doing country things and those kind of, because that's what you do in Texas to make a living, really. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I had a falling out with a band member, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go figure out how to do it with just an acoustic guitar. I don't need these other guys. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's when I started looking at all the other ways that you could yeah, make that instrument become bigger than it is yeah. with just the acoustic guitar. And yeah. was the, most of this in Austin at the time you were doing, uh, doing this? Or? It was in and out of Austin, yeah. Right. And Nashville, do you spend yeah, time Yeah, I was there? in Nashville as well, yeah. yeah. No, I was in Nashville from 2005 to 2007. Right. So um, I moved to... Moved moved down to the Austin area, San Antonio actually. Oh, right. I was Very living nice. in San Antonio and commuting back and forth to Austin because it was yeah. much cheaper to live in, oh, right. okay. at the time. Um, and and then yeah, I moved from from there to what well, just hit the road for a few years, and then ended up in L.A. for a couple of years, and then ended up in Nashville for a couple of years, and then moved to London in two thousand seven. Right. Okay. I'd like to yeah, Rod, Ronnie, I'd, uh, something I'd like to ask you about. Um, something I've never done. It was kind of a dream of mine. Right? The Whiskey A Go Go you played there. Yeah. What was that like? Well, that was a trip, actually. The um, yeah, the, one, <laughs> the one time I got to play the Whiskey A Go Go was actually opening up for a band called Wild Child, which was the National Doors Tribute Act. Right. So the guy that walked out on st- so it was like walking into the to film when, like the actual film when they were sound checking. He's up on the stage doing his Doors thing. Like, wow, I'm in the Whiskey A Go Go watching the Doors. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's yeah, not really yeah. the Doors, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah That's quite an experience. Yeah, uh-huh. fantastic. Yeah, I played yeah. played I played a few of those places on this trip. Like, um, I used to play at uh, a guy named Slim Jim Phantoms. He was the I know the guy from Stray Cats. Yeah, Stray Cats. Yeah. Yeah. He owned the pl- he owned the club right next to the Whiskey A Go Go, and I used to play there on a regular like every every few months right that was uh it was called what was it called it's a cat club and it was you'd always see like weird drunk (laughs) (laughs) well it's la isn't it was that oh it is la everybody everybody's semi-famous in la (laughs) porn stars that was the one that i always had in the audience as well like yeah lots of porn stars in this (laughs) (laughs) because i think i believe in la you met a kind of a Base hero of mine there, Billy Jean. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I, I still talk to Billy. 
Yeah. He's the uh, he got me my Yamaha endorsement. He's the Did one he? that yeah. He's the one that said yeah, well, you need to check this guy he's out. He's endorsed by Yamaha, basically. He's he? he's the Yamaha guy. He is the man, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's a phenomenal player. Wow. Monster. Yeah. I actually met him about a month ago. I did, yeah. Because I was on this tour, and we we just had to quickly pop to this festival site to pick up some gear or whatever. I can't remember the reason. I think the other band who were on the tour bus were playing there, and but we weren't. And Billy was there because he's a friend of, do you know, Steve, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden? He, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I know Nico actually. I've you know Nico, Nico before, right? Nico well, before. he's I, the only I, one from the band that I know. That yeah, way. and and because I'm in a band with him, called oh, British cool. Line. Uh, and, but because they all know Steve, Billy, they all came over and introduced themselves, and we had a photo done. Oh, cool. So that was about a month ago. Oh, a really cool. nice guy. Cool. It was when really. we was out with the Winery Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. 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 They're a great band. Yeah, yeah. A sleeper, yeah. that one, actually. Like, yeah. Richie Cotson's, everybody knows he's been a great guitar player, but holy crap, that guy can sing as well. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, brilliant. But unfortunately, we had to leave so we couldn't get to see them play. Otherwise, we would watch watch the show. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. Well, I believe they're nice Winery Dogs coming to our neck of the woods. I, I think so, yeah. November, is it? Yeah, I, I think, think so. In Bristol, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Bristol. Well, we're from East Anglia. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, the yeah. other side of the country completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah we're doing a well, podcasting on tour. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> sort of, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, Norwich, isn't it? Yeah, Definitely, I think they're yeah. coming to Norwich, yeah. yeah. Winery Dogs, yeah. <laughs> so that Norwich. should be good. Yeah. So, any, yeah, so, anyway, Roddy, um, you, uh, so you came over here, did you say 2006, 2007? 2007, 2007, yeah. 2007. So uh, what, what made you do that then? What made you come over to the uh, UK? It was a long story, actually. The, the this infrastructure that I had for touring in the United States, when I was based out of Nashville, it was, yeah, over the course of about six months, um, my manager quit. Um, he actually decided to go into real estate, but he decided to go in because one of his other artists had stolen money from it. It was quite a sizable oh, amount. Oh, okay. So he, so it was basically got dropped from him. But the agency that was doing my booking as well ended up dropping me from their booking roster. Right. And my late, all those, all those things happened oh, in six months. Yeah, like wow. train of events. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so at the same, at the same time that was happening, though, I met um, was my my manager now um, in London, and from that I was able to book. Um, what, what was it? We had a French record label picked up my album in 2010, I think. Okay. So they re-released that in France, and from that we were able to sign, yeah, publishing agreements out of London, um, agency nice. agreements. So uh, by me moving over to the UK, I ended up having an agency agreement with China, with India, Wow. Um, with South Africa, tours yeah. of Germany, and cool. all that thing, kind of, all that stuff happened because I was available and there in London, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. Um, so, yeah, that was, was that your live album? The one yeah. That yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a great album. Yeah, yeah. Long time ago, that one. I need to do a new one soon. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So you signed to some a label then? Yeah, it was Bad Reputations Records. Ah, yeah, cool. based in Paris. Right, right. Yeah, God, they released did some shows in India, didn't you? Yeah, I've done a yeah, few, t- few, few tours of India. It's an interesting place to go. Yeah, it's a very interesting place to tour for sure. It's a it's a place that if you're open to any sort of education, it's there readily available. Like the um, the first time I went. I, we did. Uh, I was invited by a, a video jockey from MTV India, and so a lot of the venues that I got to play were the nicest venues in town. Like, um, like the Blue Frog was a, was one of the names of the venues, and that was one place that I, was a Billy McLaughlin, the jazz player, was mm-hmm. resident there, and they had a record label involved with that as well. And yeah. so we got to, those, that first tour. I got to do like play palaces, played a place wow. called Nilabog Palace, <laughs> cool. and, and and the 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 Rod, the family that actually hosted the concert actually brought in some musicians as well. Yeah. And so I actually started an album in, while I was in Jaipur. Never finished the album, but right. with traditional Rajasthani folk musicians. Fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. You're going to get it finished at some oh, point? Or? Someday. <laughs> <laughs> You're too busy by the time. Yeah. Well, man, all those things are so expensive. So, yeah. like, when I do go to India, and I've been uh, quite a few times since, since then, this was like... 12 years ago now 13 years ago you're so busy just doing the touring part just to just to make the ends meet just to make the finances make sense that you don't really get the time to sit out and yeah. sit in the studio yeah, for a while 
Uh, we do have several sessions that are just sit, sitting on a hard drive somewhere waiting for me to go through them and yeah. turn them into something. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it's great. No, yeah. I mean, I've never been to India, but that No, sounds... it's somewhere I've always wanted to go, but I haven't got around to it yet. I know we've sold records in <laughs> India, British Lion. Yeah, you've done quite... Yeah, yeah. You, you've done quite a little disc there, for it, but um, yeah. So, yeah, let me... Um, so, Rodney, uh, you, you came over here and obviously you've obviously made a life for yourself here now mm. you've um married and children and so forth and um what's what how do you uh do you keep uh doing like festivals in the uk and stuff i know you've done glastonbury for instance yeah yeah what was that like <clears throat> well that's wow well, we've done that a few years on the trial you guys have gone to glastonbury before right no I never no, oh never. okay no, no. um well a few years ago i did the acoustic stage that was pretty pretty Massive stage, actually. It was yeah. quite an experience. Yeah, it's a lot of work. The festival. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like most. My favorite type of festivals are the ones that you can pull up in your car and actually pull up to the backstage and actually yeah. load up into the wings. Yeah, and yeah. then load out of the wings back into the car. Yeah. That doesn't happen at Glastonbury. Right. Generally, like, um, yeah. This last this last year, I I played five shows over the course of the four days or whatever and oh, you, really? you have to wow. walk oh, and, you have to walk and carry your instruments to all of those stages generally wow which is um yeah i have done some of that kind of thing but yeah. it's awkward if it's muddy it's very awkward when it's muddy it's yeah yeah. Talk, yeah it's awkward <laughs> when it's hot as well though that's the yeah, thing yeah. that's the thing is when when the sun's baking down it's 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 a yeah, sludge yeah, yeah. Oh, i didn't realize you've done five over the course of the yeah festival. well if, if you're not wow. playing one of the big stages like the acoustic stage or yeah. or, or um, then what generally happens is if you're playing one of the other smaller stages, like I was on the Rum Shack this year, I was also on Toad Hall this year, what happens is you get to the site and people trade you back and forth between the stages. Wow. Right. So that's that's quite a common thing. So a band that shows up to just play one small stage over in the Greenfields before the end of the festival could end up playing six different stages all over, this, all over the festival. Wow, side. I didn't wow. realize I that. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's quite, it? quite an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. I, think there's, I think there's ticket trading going on and all sorts of, it's like, I don't know if you'd call it black market, like <laughs> <laughs> gigging or whatever. But, right. wow. but I think a lot of those stages don't get the ticket allocation to actually get all the bands they want in. Right. So there's, there has to be a bit of cooperation for, because oh, yeah, once those tickets sell, I th- I'm pretty sure the headliners take most of the money. You know, the stages don't have big, massive budgets if they're not yeah, yeah. if they're not BBC affiliated. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. yeah. So was, uh, I mean, Michael Evers first after hearing you play, he got you on the Glastonbury at the Glasto. Yeah, it? the Extravaganza. The Extravaganza. And yeah. That was when was that now? Um, that was 2018. I want to say. Was that like your first? introduction to Glastonbury no 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 I had been playing I my my partner actually works works with the festival in the kids field so um she puts on um music workshops in the kids field so we take 20 30 music teachers with us so we've been organizing that since well she's been organizing that since 2002 or something like that so right okay so yeah I know I've been to Glastonbury every year I've lived in this country but it's never been been, never been there never been no never no No. there's so much going on there so much yeah I I actually prefer like yeah it's great to get to Elton John was awesome yeah that's that's a great thing but there's a whole field dedicated to comedy (laughs) in theater and circus and you see some really incredible things in those fields just really bizarre street theater and yeah yeah, people walking around on a banana. <laughs> it's for you. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Yeah. I believe, I believe Ronnie, you've got um, you, you got the partnership with Adario, didn't you, for your mm. strings? And how did how did all that come about? That was um, that was through that was through another bass player, actually. Oh, okay, Mendo- Mendoza. <laughs> oh, it was Marco Mendoza. Oh, yeah. great, Marco. Yeah, Marco is Fantastic. the one who introduced me to those guys. Do you know Marco? You guys know Marco? Uh, well, it's funny. I met him again on the tour I've just been on. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah, because he... Uh, it's, it's complicated, but what the other band we're with, he actually plays in Marco's band. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was through that, and he came to see us all. So we just had a little picture taken like you do, you know. Oh, cool. So yeah, with cool Marco guy. as well, do you play really? bass then? I play drums. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, the other it, side of the it, rhythm it, section. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But he's a cool guy, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. He's a really good. Cool, he's he's a he's one of those that I met in L.A. around that same time period that I met Billy Sheehan. That yeah, he actually he had that. T- both of them had the time for me because that was the yeah. thing when I first met those guys. Isn't that it was great. T- Isn't that fantastic? It was great. Though? Yeah, because a lot of guys didn't. I met a lot of guys that were really famous, really 
you know, people that I wanted to be friends with. And mm -hmm. I was 21 at the time. My eyes big and huge, like, wow, we're in this new place. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of them just wouldn't give you the time of day. I, mean, right. I won't name any names, but some no, of them were real, fun. real jerks. It's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. But the, the funny thing is, is the ones that are the really talented guys, yeah. those generally are the ones that are the nice guys. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah, how it is with right. Marco. Like, both those guys are phenomenal, phenomenal musicians in, yeah. in their own rights. He's yeah. played with some people, Marco. Yeah, well, I was actually listening to his new album. It's it's fantastic. Mm. Um, he's he's but he's, he's he's got such a zest for life, and he's had such an incredible life. I started talking to the guy. I was talking about I've got a grandchild and things, like that, and he's got like five oh, or sure. more. It's like <laughs> it's sure. like my God, I haven't lived. Yeah, you know? <laughs> well, maybe probably, he's probably in five different countries as well. <laughs> yeah. He's such he's an interesting guy. Such an interesting guy. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic yeah, to meet him, anyway. Yeah, yeah, very, very fortunate there. So that was great. How so? How long have you lived in the UK, then, Rod? So it's going on sixteen years now. Wow. Or six, might have been great. sixteen in May. And obviously, you you live in this uh, Froome, I believe. Froome, yeah, yeah. That's a great area. place, Froome, isn't it? It is. It's an interesting what place. What a vibey sure. place Froome is. We're going there tomorrow, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah we're you guys go. seeing something in town, or no? We're, we're just, just uh, visiting. Really. We're just visiting, oh, okay. and, yeah. and uh, but we're going to check because you know the local music scene now is fantastic, man. So we're going to pop into Froome and uh, yeah. Check out the keep him off the wine. Now, the producer, <laughs> he's been an absolute scandal this weekend. It's just, yeah, and I have to keep reminding him, you know, it's just oh dear me, but uh, yeah. So, uh, so how's your uh, how are you finding your gigs then? Are you on tour? And that? Yeah, they're kind of picking back up again after the lockdown. There yeah. was a um, yeah, it was a, if the 2020 I had a, a massive amount of momentum publicity momentum after the the extravaganza in glastonbury and all that thing and we had like 220 uk shows and most of those were main stages at big festivals and yeah that all i think we i think after it was all said and done we might have been able to get like a third of those over the last two years yeah, yeah. so it's only just now kind of building back up so then the international stuff is only just now happening now yeah and of course yeah and yeah, that's um, been a big problem yeah it? from our from our standpoint it's it's we, we i need that i need those international tours mm -hmm. yeah 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 Cause oh, was, but actually because we're from east anglia are you coming to my way aren't you i am yeah i i heard that yeah we'll have yeah to come and see you you should yeah. are you guys gonna be there yeah, yeah. well we're not, we're not playing but we'll be yeah uh, that's a nice to... nice little festival though yeah that yeah. is yeah Who's i that? know the guy who runs that oh do you yeah yeah, yeah. Sai? no maybe i'm thinking no someone's. um oh, very flamboyant guy reminds me of llewellyn bowen he's got those, <laughs> he's got those flowy shirts oh, he's, a, okay, he's a great okay. guy and he built that outdoor thing oh rodney would be fantastic there um a theater in the woods um Oh, right. I, I know what you mean. You know. Th Thornton Forest Th or something Th like Thornton. Is something like that. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I played yeah. there. Yeah. Great. And he was the concept of that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. But a lovely little festival. Yeah, it's way. great. We've done, I've done it a couple of times, actually. Have you? Yeah, yeah. I think the last time I did it, um, I brought my photographer with me, and he ended up taking f pictures of the whole festival. Because there was a group having, um, you know, where ladies put pasties on and paint themselves and buy oh, yeah, yeah. and do it. He was, yeah. he, basically that was going on and there were a few, <laughs> there were a few beautiful women walking yeah, around yeah. in body paint. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. He's more interested than them. than you. So, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, he did, he, he did his job taking the pictures that he was meant to take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As soon as he could, as soon as he could, he was looking around. He's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to go take, are you done with me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Silas. Yeah. Silas. That's Silas. it. Yeah, yeah, Silas. Silas Rayner. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I couldn't. I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah I just saw yeah. him at um, what was that other festival in the woods? Bearded, bearded theory. Bearded theory. Yeah, yeah bearded, bearded theory. theory. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah he's, There's so uh, much going on. It's incredible. Yeah, he's he's a great, great guy, Silas. He does yeah. a great for, for on our area. You know, Maywo's very good. Yeah. Very, very, very good. Yeah, well, we'll have to come and check you out, Ron. Absolutely. Well, so are you currently on a set tour? I mean, have you got uh, I've got for this year? Or? No, I do, but not until December that I actually have a proper set tour. So it's okay. just kind of all one-offs. So I'm I'm playing in Sweden um, Friday. I'm flying back in and then playing Sunday at Maui Wowie. Right. And it's just those two two gigs, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's just mostly because it hasn't really picked up in terms of. Yeah, it's it's difficult to sequence those things so they make sense right now because mm. you know there's so many venues that didn't make it. There's so many. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the calendar is that's the that's the chessboard for 
making music on the road, really. And, Once and, you toss the pieces up in the air, it's difficult to get them all back down again. Yeah, exactly. And, and as a, a, a solo artist, really, how do you... Because obviously I'm, I've always been used to being in bands. Mm. I mean, how, how do you approach going to... Do you just drive to a gig yourself or what What happens with that? Yeah. Yeah? Most of the time. Yeah. I'm, I'll have a guy that's meeting me from Maui Wowie, actually. That's a guy that does tour management for me sometimes. Yeah. He just drives when I have a set, a, a, a string of gigs. Yeah. So he'll meet me. I think he's actually meeting me at the airport in Stansted. And then yeah. he'll help me help me take care of all the logistics. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, most of the time, if it's local, if it's close by, I can do it by myself. Generally, yeah, yeah. It's it's not difficult. It's just the acoustic guitar. It's not. A, I'm not checking a drum kit and a. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Having to do yeah, that whole yeah, thing, yeah, you know. Yeah. Mind you, you have several guitars, don't you? Do you? Yeah, 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 but still, just to get you, just, yeah, still just plug them in. You don't have to mic them. You don't have to go. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Crack, 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 crack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah it's very time-consuming. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it is. I think you made a wise choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, my, I, w- I thought about the drums when I was a kid because we, like I said, we had a drum kit in our house, and I. The uh, the the reason I didn't choose the gun, the, the drums is completely shallow, and it's because I thought I was a big fan of Eddie Van Halen as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought I want to play guitar. I think that guy gets the girls. this is the thinking of an (laughs) eight-year-old going back to when you were younger is it your cousin or a relation of yours is a a singer yeah yeah laurie brannigan yeah 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 yeah, she's a but she's a distant cousin oh okay so she'd be like second cousin pretty big star huge yeah yeah Yeah. she was huge yeah but it's a it's a division of the family after after ireland into the from indiana Oh, okay. Her division went to New York. Ours went to Texas. Oh, I see. Yeah, so my grandfather was a was a talented machinist, so he ended up in a nuclear weapons facility, and that's why I grew up in Amarillo, Texas. Actually, why? Okay, oh, because Am- Amarillo, Texas makes nuclear weapons. <laughs> oh, nice. <Yeah. laughs> wow. And you guys are desperate to find the way. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I should watch like what that. I say, actually. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about it. I did a TED Talk and talked about Amarillo, Texas, and I had a uh, <laughs> had one of my aunties actually send me a message afterwards. Like, we heard you said about Amarillo. You just wait till you get home, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Actually, uh, as we're back into uh, the States then, Rodney, um, you know, I believe... Um, you know, you've kind of uh, done some co-writing with Dave Loggins. Yeah. Yeah, you guys familiar with Dave Loggins? Well, we, we know of him, of course, yeah. but I mean, because of, cause of his catalogue. But yeah, uh, yeah. how does that sort of... It was uh, it was an interesting one. So this was the manager that that was managing me when I moved into Nashville. He's the one that quit. And yeah, of, yeah. But uh, he was old friends with Dave Loggins because there, there was a time in the 70s, um, his name was Eddie Winrick, and there was a time in the 70s where he was the vice president of columbia records in nashville or something one of those yeah. columbia or epic mm. and so he had yeah he didn't discover dave was but working with dave at that time and so he introduced me to dave when when they had a dinner and yeah every only one way to describe it really was um every writing session was a bit like a like a football coaching session okay or he was, he was kind of like a football coach okay. like he was, yeah. you grab onto those little things and son <laughs> God damn it. I mean, how, would you how, say that in real life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long did that go on for? Uh, that, so that, two years for the two years oh, I was wow. there. So two I was years, working so with him and um, stuff. I've, yeah, that was a was a crunch crunch period for me actually. I was wanting to get into that and ended up being disillusioned by that by being involved in that. Really? Um, well, I was doing a lot of writing for the Nashville songwriting. Um, they call it the wagon or the um, water wheel building. It's a Nash- Nashville Songwriting Associations. They have a little publishing company there. Right. And um, that's just the. I was. Do- it was a daily thing. You go up and you show up at the publishing house every day. You go. You have your coffee. You sit in an office. It's the room like this, except mm-hmm. there'll be a piano over there, and you sit and you stare at a person for hours and hours until you write a song. Wow. And the I just didn't. Like the stuff I was writing at the time, it was great to learn the structure and to have to people like Dave Loggins actually teach the Very structure experience. Yeah, 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 they, yeah, to say this is why you're saying it this way. This is because I needed that. I needed somebody to that that step from taking poetry that you wrote as a reason for getting rid of emotional baggage yeah. to writing something that people actually want to listen to. It's it's a big step, cool, yeah. and you just kind of have to do do it all the time. So yeah. Um, 
But it was just this, this, the structure of it that I was just a bit of disillusioned with. When I write songs, I don't don't necessarily write them linearly, but I don't write them completely backwards like they do in Nashville. And that's right. what kind of got me. Is you, unless you had a strong hook that you came in with, mm. you would generally basically be throwing that copy right away at the end of the day, right. because they're only really looking for those those four to eight lines. Yeah. And I find, man, that first first actual verse sometimes can be the most powerful part of a song. And yeah, yeah. It, it's, it was a shame to me to throw away all the stuff that didn't grab in that. That's and, frustrating, right? Yeah. Well, it's kind of, there's there's this separation of songwriting that I've, I should have recognized before I got there. I, I am what um, you would call a 10 o'clock hit writer. I write the kind of music that people want to listen to while they're making dinner. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's that's the kind of music that I just when where where they're in a process, but they hear the lyrics and the lyrics mean something. That's the time when somebody would listen to something like James Taylor or yeah, yeah. Paul Simon, something something a bit deeper. Yeah. What they were trying to put me into was what's the six o'clock hit. They call that that's what they call it in Nashville. The six o'clock hit is the one that's being played on the radio right. when you're when you're driving home from work. Yeah. And so the radio stations generally have you have seconds to get people's attention because they're right there by the knob. So they yep. they have a very structured way to do that, and it's those it's those four lines of that hook. And wow. so if it doesn't have that, they they throw it away. Wow. And yeah, I just I I like the ten o'clock hits. I like songwriters like Lyle Lovett and the guys that are actually mm. saying something with the yeah, lyrical content they're producing. Deeper. Yeah. 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 Of course. That's incredible. Course. I didn't realize. Well, obviously, I do realize people think like that, but I've never been in a band that kind of thinks like that. We just do what feels right to us. Yeah, yeah. It's so structured. It is. It well, from that st- from that standpoint, it is. But is it is because it's difficult to maintain that feeling you get when you're writing songs with a group of people. Like you're in your band, you come along with a jam, and then the, the lyricist comes up with something, and yeah, it's difficult to sit in a room with one person and do that every day and have it be. Have it not be structured, yeah, completely yeah. structured. Yeah. Learning curve for you, though, wasn't it? Was oh, it's it tremendous, tremendous, tremendous learning curve, tremendous. Yeah. And I learned, yeah, I learned a lot from it. Learned, learned a lot about what I didn't want to do as well, mm. and 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 take the parts that actually did did actually apply to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I I take it then, Ronnie and Dave Loggins, obviously, was it six o'clock. He's very much a six o'clock. Because I mean, if you can write hits for Reba McIntyre and oh, Kenny Loggins and yeah, yeah, his, so forth and such like his um, his yeah, well, his big big hits for the from that six o'clock were around the seventies. Mm. That was actually when people were writing deeper lyrics anyway. Ah. Like that big his his big hit was launching was um, that song "Please Come to Boston." I don't know if you've ever heard that. That was that was one that he actually sang. Nobody else. Right. Um, recorded it, please come to Boston. And the lyrics to that are so like moving and touching. And that's what country music used to be like back in the seventies mm. and eighties. That's when six o'clock hits actually had some some meaning to it. Mm. But they don't anymore. Pop music's kind of taken over country music and mm. turned it into lists about all the cool things that happen in small towns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Usually the word beer is in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beer, truck, and gun. <laughs> Right, Rodney, I'd like to ask you uh, your songwriting process, because that fascinates me, because uh, not being a songwriter, just a musician, player, whatever. So I'd like to know your process of how you come up with ideas and, and then mm. how the process you go through to get to your songs. Uh, it's quite a it's a passive experience for me for the most part until I'm ready to sit down and actually flesh a song out. Mm. Um, generally, I'll, I'll, I'll have an idea and I'll toss it around. I always have a dictaphone on the road with me. Okay. I always have some sort of device to record ideas on. And I just collect those ideas. And sometimes I have these sessions where that's all I'm doing is producing these ideas. So I'll sit down with a guitar or I, most of the time I write on the piano now because okay. it's – it's not as com- I'm, I'm more comfortable on the guitar, which would seem like that would make you more articulate on the guitar, but it actually kind of puts you in a box that you already have created. So yeah. I, I like to write. I like to write from the bass guitar. I like to write from the okay. the keyboard. Um, but generally, yeah, you just kind of collect those ideas and you you write a verse and a chorus. 
and then you you finish that, you record it, you write a verse and a chorus. And I've I've asked this idea, asked this question before, and it's and do you ever sort of wake up in the middle of the night with an idea? And oh think, yeah, I've got it. Do you know that is so common yeah, with yeah. songwriters? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, quite common. There's sometimes I wake up and I have I'll have a complete idea, and then it just disappears as I start to wake up as well. Oh, which God. is why songwriters always talk about having a notebook right next. Yeah, to you. yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause it doesn't yeah. take doesn't take very much. Yeah. Because it is just kind of floating out there, and that's kind of the way I've always looked at the creative process in general. Is you're, you're, it's you can't work at being creative. That's not how creativity works. Mm. Um, what you have to do is you have to make the the situation right for creativity to happen. Yeah. And so you, I, I always think of it as a stream. Like there's this this current of ideas that are going by you, and you're you're trying mm. to fish those out. Of yeah. Them. And if you're working too hard on it, you're going to scare them away. So you kind of have to find a place where you're casual, you're you're comfortable, where you can sit and rest and wait for those big ones. The big ones, yeah. That's it. That's That's a good analogy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, about that. And you do need time. I, I, I found in life, if ever, what <laughs> I say, be creative. But you you need time to be creative. Completely. You, you can't be working a job flat out and doing loads and loads of things. And expect it. It just doesn't. No, it doesn't no. go with yeah, that you process. Need to, yeah, it's 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 not something you can force, really. Mm. Yeah, but it's making understanding what is is the best situation for you to find that is that's the trick. And that yeah. was the, that was one of the things that I I found in Nashville when I was there as well. Is I didn't like a lot of the songs that I was writing when I was in that forced and structured thing, but part of being in that forced and structured thing and and eventually understanding what the thing that I'm meant to be looking for. You've, you've recognized the good idea so that when I'm in my place where I write, which is nothing like that big structured thing, I know what the thing is that I want as far as the fish that's going by in the stream at that time. Mm. And then the, the big trick is being able to take that out and make it into the flesh it out into the thing that you want it to be. Mm. So there's a lot of there's a lot of just collecting ideas and then there's a set time when I sit down and I say, I'm going to turn this and this idea into a song. Mm. And sometimes it might be a lyric from another song. It might be, mm. and you just kind of start piecing those ideas together. Like or an idea song. possibly you had a year ago. Oh, think, yeah. Oh, I'll re I could redo something. That like happens that. all the time. It mm. happens. Yeah. Sometimes you work those ideas so much and they don't actually go out to a direction, but you spend so much time in the actual direction that you did get them mm. going down was a good direction. You just weren't. Yeah. You just weren't equipped to actually take advantage of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so. so have you got any new uh, any writing an album at the moment? Or I like? am currently demoing for, um, yeah, hopefully an album that will be done soon. It's um, it's called The Solitary Ensemble. Okay. okay. So um, every every track on the album is more than one instrument being played at the same time. So it's the thing that I do with the two guitars, oh, right, but okay. really leaned into really And that's far. just you on there then? Just me on it, yeah. Wow, yeah, fantastic. The, um, but I've expanded it to um, playing the piano and the guitar at the same time. Uh, the, actually, the one that works the best is the piano and the bass guitar at the right. same time. They complementary. And I believe your really bass well. player comes from this, oh, yes. neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah he wow. does. Wow, well, that, isn't that a yeah, small... Well, yeah. Well, Six degrees, tell, us, tell us a little story about yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, you were in so, so that, the time when you got the news about you know, when I got the news about the yeah, yeah. I was actually in disc rehearsing with my band for a festival that we were playing the following weekend Okay. so I got this phone call from um, a friend of mine, Neil that, that uh, Paloma Faith had pulled out of the Glastonbury extravaganza and Michael Evis would like me to come fill the spot which I didn't believe initially when you told me <laughs> the first time. Is this a joke? <laughs> so, so that was, was going on, my yeah. first response. It was like five o'clock in the afternoon, I think. So, and you know, it's about four it's, hours it's drive. It's a bit of a trek, isn't it? It's a bit of a trek, absolutely. And plus the and, traffic getting in. And yeah. Out. Oh man, that. You should ask for a chopper. Man, I did. <laughs> 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 I wish I would have even thought about it at the time. I was like, yeah, can you get me a private jet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm close to an airport. I sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I got the call in disc. We were I, we had just finished practicing, and yeah, answered the phone. He's like, no, I don't. And then he was like, no, can you get here by eight o'clock? Put on the sat nav. It said I could get there by eight fifteen if I drove drove straight wow. there. So yeah, just push push pedal to the metal, and yeah, ended up getting there. I think eight twenty five, something like that. Which I'm not sure how much. I guess I can talk about it now. It's been a few years ago now, but yeah. yeah. 
they actually arranged for a police car to be on the A three o three. I mean, they didn't send me a helicopter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have everything. I no, can't have everything. No. But they sent me a police escort from the A three o three all the way into the all the way into the site into the backstage area. So Magic. as soon as I hit the A three o three, the police car lights go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My car is only barely able to do one hundred miles per hour, but we had it one hundred and ten, and it feels like it's shaking <laughs> oh, no, and falling right. apart. Yeah. And I just we just pull up into the backstage area, and I just get out and. I had no idea what it was like. They said a smaller festival than Glastonbury, but that's, that's there's a lot of variance in that statement. Absolutely, so I thought like maybe a thousand, two thousand people, and yeah. I walked out and there's eleven thousand people. On it. Good lord! Mm. Yeah, thankfully I didn't have time to think about it. It's, no, no, that's so, what's so surreal sometimes about being involved in the music business or going on a stage or whatever. You don't know what to expect, and it's like wow, yeah. where did all these people come from? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they told me before, right before I got on, it was like, oh, yeah, we only just now told them an hour ago that uh, Paloma Faith isn't going to be on. So I just thought, oh, crap, they are going to hate me. They're going to throw mm-hmm. stuff at me. It's going to be brutal. Yeah, yeah. And well, how well, did you go down? Oh, they went, I went down great, actually. Fantastic. Yeah, I had them, had them chanting my name by the end of it. Of course, <laughs> wow. I, told, I, I told them to. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah, all yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that's the on the front of the stage, he goes, guys, I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous right now. Um, you guys can go like this, Rodney, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> so you film that, and then you take that first part where I'm telling her to do it, and you get up, and then it's like, there's 11,000 people going, Rodney, <laughs> Rodney. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's a fun, fun gig, that one. Oh, wow. I mean, awesome. was, was that your first experience of a, of a, a bigger gig with a larger crowd? Or no, like, You've done no. plenty of stuff before I've that. Done, I've done big stuff like that before. Yeah. Not quite to that extent. I think the most I'd ever played for was 7,000 on tour in India. Yeah, yeah. But I did, um, yeah, in Corsica at the um, Patrimonio uh, Guitar Festival, I think there was about five and a half thousand. I mean, not that it matters how many people was there because you can play a small club of 400 people and the vibe is incredible. That's, that's actually my favorite. My, my actual too. favorite yeah. is when you're in a small venue that's meant to hold like 75, but you've got 100 people in there like yeah. just going for it. I, I love that. That's the, yeah. that's the best kind of gig. Hot and sweaty. Oh, and yeah. Just full of it. And you're smelling everybody's <laughs> body odor. I <laughs> <laughs> feel like the studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit warm. Yeah, it's it is warm. today. Have yeah. you done stuff in South America yet? Uh, not South America. That was yeah. one of the tours that actually got canceled, unfortunately, during lockdown. Oh. Um, I had, I had, I had three international, four international tours that got canceled. I was meant to be in India again. Yeah. Um, I was meant to be in South America. It was going to be my first trip. I was going to be in Argentina. Yeah. And then um, I was meant to be in Australia for the first time. It was going to be my first time going to Australia, and that yeah. got canceled as well. So, right. So, Shame. Yeah. They'll get rebooked. It's just yeah, only, yeah. that that part of the, the business is really only turning o- over again now. Mm. Mm. Yeah. There's some some safety about being able to fly places now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll love South America though. It's they're incredible audiences oh, down there. I bet, I it's bet. such a amazing. It's it blows you away the first time you you kind of go there. The audiences are like incredible. Oh, I bet the, the the volume and the way they they sing along to everything. Yeah, it's a, a great experience. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I hope I hope it happens soon. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about your little trip with one of the uh, Guns N' Roses people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have a little story we've heard. Well, I, I, I know a, a couple of guys that were in that band. Um, Dizzy Reed is one of the guys that I, I used he's to. The keyboard. He's a keyboard player. Yeah. Um, he used to come to a jam session that I played at. It was the same same group of people that I met Billy Sheehan and um, the same group of people. Actually, they were putting on a concert, and we had um, a sharing a bill with Vivian Campbell um, from yeah. Def Leppard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Dio. And Dio, yeah, yeah, and. Uh, Somebody else really famous that was on that. I can't remember. I was on the stage, and this guy walks in with this long beard. He's got his hat on. The, the name of the venue was called The Joint. I remember that. And uh, I thought this was guy, this guy named Rainbow. They called Rainbow Benny. He was a guy that used to go through all these venues in, in L.A. And long beard comes backstage, says, hey. Or this girl comes backstage, really big-breasted. Says, my friend wants to come meet you. And go out. And it ends up being Billy Gibbons is sitting on the audience. And Wow. Cool. Not that show. Yeah. So tell us. So did you get you got a ride with the guys and the oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I just veered off. 
<laughs> that was the breasts. That was the breasts. So, so anyway, yeah. So it was a distraction. It yeah, is. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It was like, oh, I remember those breasts. I remember <laughs> yeah. And then walking up to Billy and, and thinking he was a homeless guy. I didn't even know who he was at the time. And then walked off later. And that, but anyway, long story <laughs> short. Yeah. Long story short, that same show, because those uh, – those those shows happen because of the NAM show, the National Association of Music Merchants. So, yeah, yeah. if you guys are familiar with that's the thing yeah, that goes yeah. on in Anaheim. Yeah. And when you have a guitar endorsement, you get paid generally to go and you do your thing and show off your instruments. And you, right. the, the payment is you get free instruments the following. Well, you'd year. be perfect to that. With yeah, what you well, did, yeah, did quite a few of those yeah. those NAM shows. But uh, after one of the shows at the the joint, I had had too much to drink. And I couldn't drive, so I ended up leaving my rental car at this place. And um, it, he was the guitar player for Guns N' Roses at the time, but he was there with Dizzy as well. Yeah. Um, but it was Bumblefoot. It wasn't Slash. Yeah. He ended up giving me a ride back to Anaheim to the hotel that the, uh, I think Yamaha had put, put us up in. Wow. So, yeah. so he hadn't been drinking, which was great. Oh, no, no. He had, he's pretty straight, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. You'd be surprised how many of those rockers are straight now, actually. Well, yeah. I think they've learned that they had to be <laughs> Some of if they want to keep alive. <laughs> yeah, that, that isn't is. like it was in the seventies, is it? You know, uh, let's be honest. No, no, it's, it's a completely well, different. You realise too much excess damages you in one way or the other. Oh, completely, yeah. completely. And so many of those habits end up coming home with you, and you have no family yeah. life. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, fortunately a lot of those guys did, did get straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you lived in Los Angeles for a while. Yeah, yeah. And lived in Burbank. You enjoyed it. Uh, not particularly, if I'm no, honest. No, no. I, I, I really liked the uh, San Diego area. I, I was doing a lot of gigs in San Diego when I was living there. Yeah. But most of it was I was there for the music business, and everybody is there for the music mm. business or acting. Mm. And it was, um, yeah, just an expensive place and traffic's a nightmare. Oh God, and cramped and yeah. I'm, I where I live now. I live out in, in a converted barn out in the middle of a farm. And I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 my ideal lifestyle. Because you live around the Froome area, don't you? Right? Yeah, yeah, just outside of Froome. It's lovely around here. Oh, it's beautiful. I love Somerset in general. I don't see myself living anywhere else, actually. No, it's nice. No, that's nice. You're a real Anglophile, aren't you, really? Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Well, getting there. I still have the American accent. Well, no. I mean, not, and living in Somerset, for some reason, I cannot stand cider. I'm not a big drinker of cider, which is wow. pretty much sacrilege around You've here. They've got be a like, place here in Shepton making yeah, cider. Yeah, they they make, past the cider apparently, part. they make beautiful yeah, yeah. cider. Yeah, yeah. They make beautiful cider. But my, my first experience was in, it, with cider was uh, scrumpy in Wales. It ended up being 12%. That nobody told me it was it's 12% so after that. that <laughs> it was like one and a half well, pints as well. They served it in pints, which I think is technically illegal. But <laughs> scrumpy, 12% scrumpy. Wow, What's that? That's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's a that's yeah. a that's a pint of wine basically. Yeah. But I ended up so drunk and so sick the next day that I just I have never been able to drink cider again. Love beer, but I actually it's funny you should say that. Although I I'm, actually I'm drinking a can of Strongbow. <laughs> the first time I ever got drunk was on Strongbow cider. Yeah. Well, I, think I, I can 16, remember being ill when I was young. That on feeling when you're really sick. It's yeah, just yeah. Awful. In fact, our producer was drinking it. I think last that, night. Well, yes, but you that's know, why he. Was yes, drunk. yes, yes. He, he, he was, yes. Complete and utter lies. <laughs> yes, yes. He was yeah. very unprofessional. Yes. <laughs> Not that we've reminded him at all. No, no. no so you awesome. haven't mentioned it much. No, no. <laughs> Not on the four or five pods that we've done, but uh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. He's, uh, Such is but life. then there you go. Let him yeah. have a good time. In fact, that was quite strange seeing a pedal steel player getting drunk. Wearing an Iron Maiden T-shirt, <laughs> I thought this this is this, this yeah. is this is not the Dunny we know. What's going yeah. on here? No, no. You know, yeah. it was, that was good fun. That one. I, I get sort of slung out of the club, really. Wouldn't <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, brilliant. So, what are you up to now, then, Rodney? What what is your what's future plans? What 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 are you? Well, I was yeah, touring, starting up a new album coming out on the horizon. Still, Ooh. still working we'll on look that. Look out album. for that. I'm yeah. actually talking about that. What's your process on the recording side? Do you, you just live takes? Or is it? A- uh, well, it, for this one, it is got, a lot of it is going to be live takes. Yeah, I'm dimming it right now with not live takes, but they're mostly so I can practice with them, so that when I do the live takes, that that I've got it all nailed. Yeah, because yeah, because it's kind of that's what I'm selling at the end of the day is the is the the thing the. And so it's difficult to package that up with a drummer and a and a mm. bass player and the polish so of it. The, 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 your, your album, your albums, you you get like you're going to make. I mean, is that going to just still be yourself? Or are you saying you're going to maybe have a piano? 
What other instruments do you think? Uh, so I've, I'm doing. I've, I've written. So what I've written for it so far is um, I've got a track, a couple of tracks with bass and piano at the same time, um, a, a few more two guitar tracks, um, different styles of two guitars where one's strapped to my back and I'm playing it behind my back at the same time I'm playing the other one. Right. Yeah. Um, Check that out. Bit weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Check yes. that out. It's difficult, actually. The most difficult part about that is with, when a guitar goes out of tune, and they always do, when it's behind your back, you can't tune it. There's nothing <laughs> you can do <laughs> no to fix the situation. Why? You can't bend a note. You can't do anything. You're just Why? stuck being out of tune, yeah. hoping that you have some tone-deaf fans in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then there's, um, so there's piano and drums, um, drums and guitar, mm. um, or percussion and guitar, hand drum. Are you using real drummer? Well, me. Oh, okay. At the same time. Right. Yeah, so... I've, I've seen a video you're doing that with, yeah. with congas and that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a bit of, bit of that, bit of that, also with a kick drum pedal to... Yeah, yeah. ...kick part about. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, a few th- I've started loop, using a loop pedal for the first time, but I've been trying to limit the loop pedal to instruments that I'm not known to play otherwise. So I only loop a bass, guitar, or... And it's pretty much only the bass guitar. Vocals is the one that I've been looping in it the mm. most. Right, okay. So building, trying to figure out how to build um, big, yeah, similar kind of thing where that's that solitary ensemble, one guy doing a thing and producing it, but yeah. no musical instrument except for the voice. Right, which okay. is, I'm not breaking new ground. It's just new for me, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the idea is just to come up with a whole, it's, it's going to end up being a concept album at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Really, but it's... it's how do you do find using those loop pedal things? Is it you know? It must be. It's not can't be simple. Can't no, be, no, no. It's yeah. not simple. Yeah, it's not simple. It does. It does make things easier. If I'm quite honest, because like when, when you're playing the bass guitar and the piano at the same time, there's nobody keeping time for me at the no. same time. Which is with yeah. the looper, if it's obviously keeping the time. And yeah, yeah. It's just, it's amazing how much more you can do if you have something keeping the time for you. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those tracks I record with a drum machine in my ear. It'll never make the track, but it's oh, okay. it's sub- subdividing the time so I can keep up with it. Yeah, make sure where kind of where you are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I can kind of lock those mechanical parts in. in so place. you say you had your, you had a band at one point. Do you still have your band? Do you still do that, or we you just mainly so? Yeah, I was. I haven't actually been focusing on music since the lockdown so much. No, no. Um, I I do the gigs, but I actually don't. Other than the fact that I know I need to go record an album, and I'm organizing to do that. Mm. Uh, my hands are pretty much uh, that's being run by my management, and mm. and she's doing a really good job of it right now. So fantastic. I'll just leave her to it. She's she's closing deals with agencies in all of Eastern Europe. <laughs> so I'm right. spending a lot of time in Poland, and mm. and then yeah, I got a U.S. tour in December. But most of the th- most of th- my time's been spent with this. I made a rapid prototyping studio mm. during lockdown, so I do. Um, oh right, I caught, yeah. caught tinkering. Yeah, yeah, it's tinkering really. Um, I dropped out of school to play music, but I, if I would have stayed in school, I would have ended up finishing an engineering degree at some point. I imagine oh, okay. that was that was what I was going to school for. Well, electronics engineering. No, mechanical engineering. Mechanical engineering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, it encompasses a lot of things. But, once you have the underlying skills. So, yeah, long story short, I um, I applied for a research grant through a philanthropic organization in my hometown. Okay. I was awarded that research grant. It wasn't very much. It was about $5,000, but it was enough for me to sit sit down and actually research something. And the, the onus of the research grant was that I wanted to make something in particular that would reduce uh, transmission probabilities for COVID in particular at the time. But this is, accounts for a lot of different uh, airborne pathogens. Um, basically, a, a percentage that I could guarantee that if I design this thing, um, it would reduce it by a certain set percent that you could oh. calculate and just mm. easily quantifiable. Because that ends up being the thing at the end of the day. It's like mm. you can make a thing that says clears out ninety nine point nine percent of COVID, but the truth is, it's really tied down to its mechanical air filtration, and yeah. um, it's limited by that. So, yeah. Long story short, I was able to do that, and then from that, um, I was able to raise some funds to build a, a rapid prototyping studio. So that includes a small uh, 3D printer farm and then an electronic works, workbench. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, light light machining parts. And I filed a patent uh, over a year ago now. Yes. Uh-huh. We yeah. just filed the revised patent after the search and examination this last April, I think. And the... Um, the device is specifically for music venues. It's okay. A, yeah, so it's a it's an it, ambient light fixture. Is it what? Sorry, it's an ambient light fixture. Okay. 
So it's the kind of thing you put up in the ceiling, and it changes the color of the ceiling. Okay. And you can change the color through an app or through Nest. Or uh, we have have a version that we're working on right now that will work through the DMX uh, 512 protocol. So a lighting guy could actually tap into the light and, and use wow. it to control what's going on at the stage as well. Just to create more of an atmosphere. An atmosphere. But yeah. uh, this this version has a um, ultraviolet germicidal irradiation array. Explain um, to us what that yeah. is. Yeah. You know. well, so, we're just simple people. Yeah. <laughs> well, apart from him over there, he yeah. probably know what that is. Well, he, 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 he does. We yeah, were discussing he it earlier. Probably reading the yeah. thesis on it or something. Yeah, you know, yeah but it's a so in in uh, frontline medical, especially for infectious disease clinics, um, especially tuberculosis, they have this this way of lighting a room. They call it ultraviolet germicidal irradiation. And they set fixtures up in the air so that the fixtures are pointed away from people, but they're actually pointed in, so that the in a way that the whole entire top of the room is lit up with this light. Mm. Wow, okay. And so this light actually reduces, it sterilizes COVID. Wow. Wow. And so and it's very well documented. There's a, many, wow. many, many scientific papers on how to do it, the parameters for installation. So all I did was I took those parameters that I was reading about for this and figured out how to put those parameters within the uh, – the lighting array, yeah, mm. and so that's that's the patent we've filed. So, oh, okay. So, I'd, I've designed a system for my house. How does it sterilize COVID? How, how does that happen? Uh, ultraviolet germicidal radiation. So, UVC is it um, it basically like a microwave for 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 RNA strands for for the the, the DNA inside of of the things. Okay, and so, so it's putting so, out that those microwaves. It's not microwaves, though. It's a, it's, an irradi- it's a form of irradiation. It's UVC. So it's, it's part of the light spectrum. Uh, okay. But what's happening is that energy is, yeah, is basically disconnecting the, its, its ability to reproduce. Okay. So, yeah, sterilizing it. Like, yeah, you'd, yeah. like you'd sterilize a dog. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or an old rocker. <laughs> we need sterilizer. <laughs> oh, it's, that's, that's From the, the cider. <laughs> we, we sterilize. <laughs> I don't think it would sterilize you, but it, it does. It, it's, you're not meant to shine it on your skin for a very wow, long okay. time. It's too late for us. <laughs> We're done. We, uh, well, that's that's incredible, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's incredible, oh, right? Yeah. And, and great, good on you. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. That's fantastic. What about um, other stuff? You any other interests you are involved with apart from music and well, in engineering, sterilizing things and sterilizing things. Well, it's yeah. the it's actually the engineering that's the interest for me. Yeah, yeah. We di- I just we just pitched another project with a, like a engineering cooperative that I'm a, a part of that's um, hopefully going to get picked up by the state department. And this actually kind of has to do with music as well. And the right. reason I'm on the project is because I I'm pretty good at programming MIDI. Oh, so okay. I, I ah. um, just. I don't know. I'm a nerd. <laughs> so, so we designed a uh, a playground that's hopefully going to be installed in Leipzig, Germany, um, funded by the State Department, which we don't find out until next month. But the playground generates its own electricity, so it can it can power up other things. But what this one in particular will power up is a um, is a, have you ever seen video mapping where. Like, or a camera like projects something on a wall and makes yes. the, it makes the building disappear. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so ours will power that up, but it'll also interface with that. And so, the the I basically designed the sensors for this playground equipment to run what would be like a like a video jockey's right. computer program. Yeah, yeah. Until the end of the day, but it'll do the same thing for like music production. Yeah. So the the playground will plug into something like Ableton Live. Mm-hmm. And like a DJ could have all of his samples set up in it, and the playground will actually play the samples. The one in particular that I'm working on that's the most difficult is we've designed a um, it's a tachometer that goes on a merry-go-round, so it measures the speed of the merry-go-round, right. and and then it gives a uh, bit bit uh, sorry BPMs to the software. Mm-hmm. So whatever audio is playing is dictated by how fast the merry-go-round is going around. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. That's a I guess that's well, it's hobby. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's intense though. Oh, God, yeah, it's getting a bit much now for us old rockers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I yeah. still I still drink beer and chase ladies as well. <laughs> <laughs> we drink beer, but that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. They push us around. Oh, yeah, yeah. tartan blanket. Oh, I've got that one as well. Yeah. Oh, blimey. Well, Rodney, I, I I think it's been it's been fabulous. It's yeah. just what a 
absolute joy and a pleasure for us to yeah, uh, for you to give us your time. Yeah. I think you're an exceptional musician. Yeah, you, you, exceptional at many things. Though. Absolutely, yeah. guitar yeah, playing, uh, songwriting, and yeah, I think it's fantastic new song. Yeah, we look forward to your new stuff. Yeah, oh, thank you. look forward thank you. to me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always on. I hope yeah. it's good. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. It's yeah, been a real, real pleasure. Thanks thank for, for coming. Me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Right, John. Well, that's been a, a, another amazing podcast for us. Yeah, this is our rockers on the road. It's been incredible. Oh, it's been fantastic. I've yeah. really enjoyed it. And, and, I mean, Rodney Brannigan, I, 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 look, guy, anyone's listening to us, which we know there are, check out Rodney Brannigan YouTube. And he's, he's, he's a virtuoso. Yeah. This has been a real eye-opener, actually, for me personally. We've had some incredibly talented people. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What a hotbed of talent Somerset is. Yeah, in this area. It's amazing. It's amazing. And yeah. and Rodney is right up there. I mean, some of the stuff he's done and, and some of the... Uh, he lost the, us a bit on the technical side, but, you know, uh, we are old he, rockers after all. Well, of course, yeah. Well, yeah. well, some of us understood. The producer, I think. I think he understood, only because on. his mind has now finally cleared from the mist of the Somerset cider. Right, OK. But he's going to start again tonight. So I've been told. Yeah. Right, are so, you dragging him home or? I don't know. Or what's back going to happen? Digs. I think we might have to get him a cab. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but Rodney Brannigan, fantastic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, all the way from Amazing. Texas. Lives in the UK now. Loves UK. Um, yeah. And uh, I check anyone. Check him out. It, it's been it's fantastic. fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, right. that's another one done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more to go. Yeah. One more to go. So, yeah, so that's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. <laughs>